Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 191 of the podcast that was originally recorded on February 8th of 2018. In this episode, I actually have two guest co-hosts. Eric is back with me and we are going over the top 10 games that we've introduced our spouses to over the year. And towards the end of the episode, Eric's wife Yuki makes a guest appearance to talk about her number one game that was on her list. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are on episode 191 of the podcast, and today I have a co-host with me. Welcome back, Eric Gergatz, to the show. Hello. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I'm very exhausted after a long day of work. Yes, I will say that, too. I was in meetings literally all day. Um, It was completely crazy. And I'm not looking for I'm not I'm not looking forward to more snow tomorrow. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> getting getting kind of the snow's getting kind of old around here in Northeast Ohio. Definitely. <laughs> All right, so you offered to come back on the podcast. We were talking about throwing on all these different ideas, me, you, and Dave, trying to come up with um maybe a top t- another top ten list that we can do, and we've come up with several of them um, as we chat sometimes during the day. Uh, I thought one of the things that might be cool is to, because um, both of our spouses game. I mean, we we probably do most of our gaming with our spouses. I mean, easily if I look at BG stats, 75% of my gaming is done with Kim. And I'm guessing yours is the same with Yuki. Yeah, pretty much. So I think you had mentioned, you know, like what top 10 games of our spouses. And then when Kim kind of did her list, and I mentioned it to you, she kind of did an evolution of her gaming where we, where she started out gaming when we first started dating and some of the games we were playing. And then she kind of went through games of, you know, as as, that we had played throughout the years and how her tastes and games have changed. Um, The, the heaviness of the games have changed. Uh, So, you know, hers is like an, an interesting chronological evolution of her, her gaming repertoire, I guess you could say. And what she's what she enjoyed back then, and some of those games were. I, I have a feeling she's going to make me play some of these older ones probably in the next couple of weeks because we're talking about them. So she's going to today. We need to get them to the table now. Um, but let's go ahead and get started with our top ten list. Drum roll! All right. So when Kim and I first started dating, one of the games we picked up at. I don't even know where we bought it. We were out at Great Northern Mall, I think, and I don't even know what store it was. Hold on. First, um, of, first of all, what year is this? Oh, geez. Wow, you're going to throw that on me? Really? Well, hey, you got, you got, <laughs> if, if this is a history lesson right here, you know. So, so Kim and I started dating in 99. Okay. Um, I'm guessing this was probably a couple of years after that. Because I just looked up when this game was released on BGG, and I believe this game probably would have been, it must have just recently come out. Um, And that's Risk 2210 AD. So it was released in 2001. I'm guessing this could have been around 2002. I mean, right right around that area, as I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. Um, We used to 
uh, play this a lot on the weekends. I mean, it was something that, you know, we we would take it over to her house and we'd play over there. We'd, you know, here we'd be playing on the kitchen table. Um, she likes Risk a lot. And it was, it was, I, I had always enjoyed Risk growing up. 2210, I think, is probably one of the better versions of Risk, I think. I don't know if you've ever played this one. I, it's been forever since I've actually played Risk itself. Yeah. Um, but 2210 actually has some nice variables to it and some nice variation to the base base risk game you have these different captains and kind of these different cards you have a whole separate planet that you can try to ship some of your army to to take over part of the moon so it's it's a science fiction type one um and i'm really surprised she enjoys it as much as she did and still does to this day because she's not really the biggest science fiction fan um, you know, when I mentioned like a sci-fi themed game or something nowadays, she's like, uh, eh. um, she's really gotten into, you know, Wasteland Express Delivery Service, which is post-apocalyptic. I wouldn't call that as much, you know, true sci-fi, like, you know, like a, like Risk is, you know, the, the way that the, 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 where, where Risk is set in the setting. So, um, her number 10 was Risk's 2210 AD. We play this game a lot. We have not played it lately but like i said i have a feeling she's probably going to make me pull that out of the closet i don't even have this game in my actual on any of my calyx shelves i think we have it in a bedroom closet up on top up on a top shelf <laughs> so it was one that is over there with some other party games like monopoly and a few other things like that so we don't we don't normally keep those things out in public viewing that's not so good go ahead. which What's, what's Yuki's number 10? What do you got over there on your side? Okay, well, on my side over here, I didn't really get an evolution as much as you did. Okay. Uh, but I guess you can say, as I go through this list, you can see how how uh, her tastes are changing and kind of creeping into the stuff that she would normally used to play. Okay. And definitely, for sure, I have influenced her on all these choices because she never even like played board games or tabletop games before we started dating so all of this is like a whole new world to her in the last few years so i mean i'm guessing like kim she probably played just normal games growing up i mean you know like monopoly and things like that a lot of card games with her parents in the family you know as you're growing up uno and skip and a bunch of things like that i don't know if she would she if she would have played any of those types of things well, well see you have to remember this though uh growing yeah, up growing up in japan is a little different than america true good point so yeah, i uh, did not think of that although i do <laughs> I, I can say this one um when i was in japan it is like whenever you said that you play board games the first thing out of somebody's mouth it, it's not oh like monopoly it's oh like jinsei game okay which uh, us in America may know as the game of life. Okay. So that is nice. The, that is the first thing out of somebody's mouth in Japan. If you say I play board games and they have no idea what you're talking about. Somebody bought Kim and I the game of life. Um, was it as a wedding gift or like a pre-wedding gift or something like that? Somebody she had worked with got us the game of life. And we were, we played it for a while too. I mean, that's, that's a nice drinking game. Yeah, it is. Go okay. ahead, carry on though. Okay. Okay, number 10 is definitely the heaviest one on this list. So okay. 
you'll, you'll see a de-evolution from this point on, I guess. Number 10, Great Western Trail. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> uh, now, that one actually surprised me because... See, that's why, that's why she's a keeper. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't get how she enjoyed this at first. I guess it was kind of easy to pick up. I, th- I think it is. I think it's, for being a more medium-weight game, I don't think the mechanisms and everything in the game are all that overwhelming. But I think with everything going on in the game, there's a lot of deep strategy there, which I think makes, because Kim, Kim loves that one too. And I think that's what she likes. She likes the strategy stuff. Yeah, well, uh, I know after talking with her that um, the basic point of all these games are um, a lot of variability. So there's going to be a lot of games on here where you may be doing the same thing each game, but just different results of maybe cards coming out or dice being rolled. They bring some random element to it, maybe just even how the board is laid out, kind of like how great western trail works out how the board will evolve and whatever comes out it's it's weird i i didn't even think she would like the theme of this game but i don't know hey we both play it and enjoy it so it it was my favorite game of 2016 it was my number one i i mean when everybody was saying you know scythe and terraforming mars i was like both good games both were on my top 10 but there was just something about Great Western Trail that I was there was just something about it that I was like, this is to me, it was just my great game of the year back then. Mm-hmm. And I'm more in line with you now because I think I was big on terraforming Mars back then and wasn't so hot on Great Western Trail. And as of 2018 now, that's kind of flipped. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I like they were both great games. And even when I was interviewing Stephen Bonacore last year at Origins, I even told him that I go, you know, I go, everybody loves Terraforming Mars. I go, but there was just something about Great Western Trail that I was it was just more for me. And, you know, and it was funny because he goes, that's he goes, I understand what you're saying. You know, it was it was really cool, cool interviewing him, too. So, all right. My number nine. Um, probably about the same time we were playing Risk, we also got into another game. And I think this one was a game I think we probably got into from going down into recess one day. I don't know if Jim, the owner had told me about it. I don't know why we got into this one. What even made me buy the starter set and then, um, continue to purchase this miniatures game, mage Knight dungeons. So back in the early two thousands, cause this came about in 2002, back in the early two thousands, mage Knight was, um, Wizkids put out a game called mage Knight, And it was basically the predecessor to, you know, like hero clicks, so you have heroes and monsters with the bases on them that have the, you know, the the kind of like the clicking on the bottom, which shows you health, attack, and everything like that. Um, Mage Knight Dungeons was like an evolution out of their Mage Knight game. Their Mage Knight game was actually more of a skirmish game, um, probably akin to Warhammer 40K or, you know, just regular Warhammer, where you have two armies going against each other. Mage Knight Dungeon uses... Uh, some of the miniatures you can actually use from Mage Knight, uh, that game, in Mage Knight Dungeons, but Dungeons actually had their own starter packs, their own booster packs that they sold miniatures in, and you would basically build a dungeon on the table. Uh, every Both players would build a party of adventurers, and I would start off in one corner of the dungeon, Kim would start off in the other end of the dungeon, and you're trying to run through the dungeon, trying to get these treasure chests in the dungeon 
and then get out before all of your party is dead. Whoever has the most points and treasure wins. As you run into your opponents in the dungeon, you can player versus player. You can attack each other and kill each other. It. We love this game. This game, we played so much, Eric. I have boxes of miniatures, and I told Kim, I go, I go after the week after Valentine's Day. I go, let me start reading the rules again, and I go, let's play it because I go, we haven't played this in I don't even know how many years. I don't know when we pulled it out last. So I go, since we do, since we game now. I mean, you know, we used to sit there. I would have my laptop literally next to me looking rules up in the forums on everything as we were playing the game. I had printed out pages and pages of forum posts on rule rule corrections and everything. We even bought a plastic 3D dungeon set uh, to basically, instead of just using flat, you know, like tile cardboard that comes in, you know, Gloomhaven or Sword and Sorcery and everything. We bought like the 3D plastic set where you can do walls and it would be like a 3D dungeon. We were all we were all in on this game. <laughs> Sounds like a cheese. And I mean and when we would play it, we would ha- we would be playing on the kitchen table and I would have all of the monster miniatures on a card table next to it because there were so many freaking miniatures we had for this game. So we're going to pull this one out, and if once we're comfortable with it again, I think we might have to do a video for this one, because I'm sure somebody hasn't done a video for this game in years. Uh, but that was Kim's number nine, Mage Knight Dungeons, and we had, a, we had a lot of good times playing this. We would just get junk food, two liters of Code Red, and just, that would be a Saturday for us. Oh, that, we that's just... the 2000s right there, Code Red. <laughs> Oof. That, that's funny, because you're, you're talking about it, and for, for just from what you're saying, the concept of the game, um, I think it makes a little more sense that you like clank so much. And it was one of the reasons why I went with Arcadia Quest as my dungeon crawler, um, because of the PvP aspect. It's one of the reasons why we didn't go with Super Dungeon Explorer. I really, Kim is just recently getting into co-ops, or I would have probably bought Descent a few years ago. Um, it's one of the reasons why I bought Sword and Sorcery, which which I'm so glad I did. That was last week's episode, episode 190, if you want to hear about my Gloomhaven versus Sword and Sorcery talk. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole right now, but let's hit your number nine before we do hit, 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 hit a rabbit hole. Okay, so number nine over here is going along with um, previous life experiences. Um, since, yes, she is from Japan, but she has lived a little, little bit all over the world. So a, f- a few years ago, she studied abroad in Malta. Oh, wow. Yeah. So shout out to Rado. I was going to say she should have gone to game game with him. <laughs> if she if she would have known him, she probably she might have. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, so this one came out last year. Yeah, last year. 2017. And it's about building up some of Malta, and that game is Valletta, a Z-Man Games production. I don't know if I've played Valletta. I don't believe you have. I think I, I'm... I don't think I have. I think I'm the only guy uh, who bought it at the store. And and I remember seeing it at, at the store, and I called her up, and I said, hey, there's a board game about uh, Malta. She's like, I'm like, do you want me to get it? She said, send me a picture I did, and she she saw it, and she was like, "Yeah, I get that." So, we did that. It's it's a very simple deck building game with a little bit of a, a spatial element because you have these cards on a grid, and 
the way that you build your deck is by building on top of these cards because there's like a, a Magic the Gathering sized card and then on top of that it's a it's like a mini Euro card. Okay. So so the the basic deck building is like oh you're gonna get some resources and you you trade in like money and wood and stone and clay in any combination and you put a house on this larger card and when you do that you take the the smaller card into your hand and that that's how you build your deck and then there's other ways where you can start building um right off of that orthogonally because you start getting like some uh some discounts and there's there's other ways to get points but it's a it's an interesting game i think it suffers a little bit because there's not a lot of cards in the box so you might see every card in the game in one or two games and it it does get a little repetitive but if you play it like off and on like maybe every couple months or so i think it's still fresh and it is it's an enjoyable game if you want to spend like 30 or 40 minutes at two players because it's it goes really fast as long as you know what you're doing you just go boom 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 you play three cards out of five in your hand and you fill up and then you're it and that's it you you never have to have to discard the cards in your hand unless you don't want to or unless you want to and it's it's just a it's a very simple euro it's it's a good gateway game, I would say. Cool. I'll have to check that one out. I want to play that one now. All right. Kim's number eight. Um, we're going to definitely start getting into games that are more recent now. We take a huge jump in years, probably. <laughs> um, when I first started going down to um, my friendly local game store down at Recess, uh, one of the early games that I played was a two-player game that... Um, one of the older guys I know that you know, Eric, Jack, um, he taught me Jaipur one day. We played it. And I was instantly like, okay, I need to buy this. This is a super cool game. It's it's a lighter game, a nice two-player game, card collection, you know, card drafting set collection. Um, and it's it's just a lot of fun. If, you, if you've never played, this is definitely a game that, you know, you should definitely you know, give a, give a look at, especially if you're looking for a two player game. It's funny you say this because when we were making the list, Yuki was going through my collection on BGG and she's just slowly writing everything down. She's like, Oh, Jaipur, I like that game. And I'm like, well, why haven't we played it in so long? (laughs) See now, one of the reasons why we haven't played it is Kim really liked this game because it introduced her to more modern gaming and she was able to introduce it to her mother before her mother passed away. And her and her mom used to play this game constantly. I mean, and so, you know, when her mom was in, you know, her late 70s and her mom had, you know, had played cards growing up, but never anything like what, you know, the gaming that we do. And her mom really enjoyed Jaipur, too. So it was a really good game that the two of them got to play together, spent a lot of time together playing that game, especially when her mom was in the hospital and everything. It was something they could just play right on one of the trays, you know, in the hospital and everything. So it was a really good game. Um, one that will, I think, always be near and dear to her heart, I think, because of that and some of the memories she has with that. But um, that was that was one of the earlier games that I was introduced to that I was able to bring home and, you know, show to Kim outside of, you know, some of these earlier games that we had done that weren't that weren't what you could consider more modern board games. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish I had some memories like that with my mom. So because uh, I started playing modern games like 
just a little bit before my mom passed away. So mm-hmm. we didn't we don't have too many of those stories, but I'll tell you what, I learned a lot of stuff about my mom when we were playing cards against humanity. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> That's, uh, I, I, those I saw a different side of her. Memor- those are probably some good memories, though. That's that is awesome to have. I swear, I <laughs> I, I can't even talk about that because I'm I'm like, who picked this card? And it's like, oh, that was me. I'm like, what the hell, mom? <laughs> like, like, no, you're not. What? Why are you doing this? I I yeah, can't. I, I don't know if I could play that with my mom. I don't think I'd be able to because I would have to. I'd have to walk out of the room or something. It was... Uh, it's it was it wasn't embarrassing, but it was just like, oh my god, like, a, <laughs> okay, I know where I got something from at least. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh god. All right. So what is Yuki's number eight? Okay, number eight. This one. This one was one that surprised me a little bit. It's not the biggest surprise on this list, but. It's it's I don't think you've played this. So her number eight that she picked was Dice City. No, I don't think I have. I've played we have Dice Town, I think was the new one that we got around Christmas time. I don't think we've ever tried Dice City. I've seen it. Uh but yeah, I've I, I don't I have never played that game. Yeah, th- this is one I think we picked this up um when we were playing a lot of Machi Koro. And okay. that one kinda got a little bit stale to me and her although my brother and some of our friends still love machi koro i i'm kind of over it now but i'll still play it every now and then but people were saying that dice city kind of kills machi koro a little bit when it was coming out and we played it recently and it made me realize why it it was a pretty good game it's it is a lighter game it's not super light but just light enough that you can maybe pull out maybe 45 minutes with two players okay but it's a very nice game where you have you have five different colored dice and you roll them at the end of your turn or at the start of the game and they go on this little board that has numbers one through six and a spot and a column for each color die and what you're trying to do with them is whatever space the dice are on they may give you like some resources or some victory points or they may say hey re-roll this die and you have ways to like move the dice around and do other things uh, and essentially what you're doing is you're adding cards to cover up these spots on the board and what you're essentially doing is changing up the faces of the dice because you know a, a a six on your white die might you know say hey i'm gonna get like some wood but then you say Oh no, I'm going to change it so if I roll a 6 over here, it's you know, get some money or something like that. So, it's it's a really simple game and mm-hmm. I I don't think it got enough love. I think it's a good it's it's another good gateway game, but with just like a little bit of thought, there is a little bit of player interaction cuz you can attack each other to steal resources, but it's also a good engine building game cuz you start building up your city and you start comboing how you want everything to go and i i believe there's three expansions right now which uh they kind of overdid because it was a little costly buying everything um but i i will say that the game got better with the expansions okay that was gonna be my question it went from like a light game and then it added more cards and maybe a couple more mechanisms so it went from maybe like a a lighter game to like a medium light game. 
I was I was that was going to be my question. I was going to say, did the expansions add too much to the game, or did it add just enough to maybe make it more fun, or did it it put maybe too much fiddliness in there? The the only the only thing you have to that I think is the problem is we don't play it enough. So when you try to add in all the other expansions, you're trying to remember how to play the base game itself. Right. And we so we haven't played the base game enough frequently to to rem- to just memorize the rules so we could just pull it out and start playing. We kind of got to look something up at the start. And the the expansions they may add just a little bit too much that if you don't remember how to play the base game, don't add the expansion. Okay. But just just as a base game, it's really nice. Cool. Yeah, I haven't played that one. I've seen that one down at the store. Um, I've looked at it a couple of times, but I've never pulled the trigger on it. Uh, for us, Machu Kora was replaced by Valeria, Card Kingdoms. Yes. Currently so. on Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. There is They do have one on Kickstarter, yes. Speaking of that, I have to go up, up my pledge on Zaya. They're adding more new metal coins um, for Zaya. They're actually adding in a new currency. A higher a higher denomination and I was like well shit I gotta add that to my my um expansion now that they're coming out with because they're coming out with a small card expansion so I gotta go get, I gotta get those coins because I have everything from the base game so can't miss that all right we're gonna jump over to Kim's number seven number seven for her was splendor this was another game um similar to Jaipur uh she played this one a lot with her mom uh we picked up the expansion um the expansion in um right around Christmas time we have still yet to play the damn expansion. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I say let's play it, she's always like, yeah, let's play something else. Um, so we haven't played Splendor in quite a while, but this was one, um, again, you know, I was able to teach her. I thought it was really interesting when I played that one very early on. And um, it's, it's, it's a good game. It's fun. Uh, but for me, there are a few other things out there that have replaced it. I mean, so it's 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 still a fun game. I wouldn't mind playing it. Some of the expansions looked like, because um, we watched a couple of videos on them, the expansions looked like they add a couple of new interesting things into the game. Um, the components in Splendor, you have to admit, are great. Yes. Um, you know, that's those 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 tile chips, whatever you want to call them things, the poker chips. Um, it's just a beautiful presentation of a game, which I think is perfect for, you know, a later family game or a good gateway game. Yes, I, I can definitely say it's definitely a good gateway game because I've introduced it to a lot of people. I mean, my wife's family, I remember when they were in town for the wedding, they actually sat around and were playing Splendor, just the four of them all together. You know, Yuki, she taught taught them how to play because they couldn't understand as much English. So, so she had to explain everything. And they sat and played a few games together, all that. I've had my other coworker, um, her family was in town and they were also Japanese and um, they were able to pick it up really simply. It's a, it's a good game that I, I think a good gateway game tends to be a little more abstract because it's yeah. easier for people to get into. There's not a lot of symbols in it. It's very easy to understand what you can, what you need to do. Um, but for us, usually if we're going to go, you know, like I said, we really haven't played it lately. If we're going to go for a game like that, we're usually getting Century Spice Road off the shelf. You know, that Kim loves Century Spice Road, and I'm really surprised she didn't put that down over this, but I think she put 
Splendor down because of some of the memories she has on that one. So, I would say so. Yeah, I I agree with that though. I think I have more memories of Splendor than Century right now. So. Yeah, I mean, we play Century more, but I think Splendor was something that was just very different at the time when yeah. it had come out. Yeah, I no, I I think that would be on my evolution list if I had to make one, which maybe in the future we will. Who knows? Yeah, I know that I, that would be interesting for us to kind of make them to see. I mean, what my what I don't even know what mine would be like. I don't even want to think about that. All right, let's get to Yuki's. Let's get to Yuki's number seven. Okay, Yuki's number seven is a game that I know you have. And we're going back to the uh, the variability. There's a lot of different setups for this game, and there's a lot of randomness because you're going to roll dice and then roll more dice and then keep getting more dice. Uh, so her number seven was Favor of the Pharaoh. Yes, a good game. Yeah, I think it's an underrated game. Like, I don't know why. Apparently this did not catch on because you no, read. I don't, I don't know about that. Well, I've read the BGG forums, and then I think the designer, he said it didn't really sell a lot. Huh, that's interesting. That's why you've never seen expansions for it. Because when that first came out, it was, that was early on when I was gaming down at recess, and that had come out right around the time of when they were having one of their 24-hour marathons down there, and this was before I was really doing video, so I didn't. You know, I didn't have my whole rig with me and, you know, stream or anything at the time. Um, but when we started off that 24-hour marathon, we played that game for probably the first three hours. Over and over and over again. Because it's it was, so good, though. It was. It, yes, yes, we really like it. Yeah, def- it's, it's a keeper for, like, the rest of my game collection. I It's one I could never get rid of. So now... I introduced Kim and finally got her to play role player lately. Ooh. She said she likes that more than Favor of the Pharaoh. I think it's different games, but it, it, uh, it the the dice manipulation and all that stuff reminded her of that cuz she even said once we were done she goes, "This was kind of like Favor of the Pharaoh." She goes, "But I think I like this one better." And I was like, "Sweet." <laughs> I I think I compare that to Sagrada more, which I do like yes. more than Sagrada still, but Yeah. Can't wait for that expansion. That should be coming soon. The role player expansion. Yeah, the I yes. completely forgot the name of it, but I know it's coming. Yeah, monsters and like, something or whatever. It's I know it has monsters in it. I'm excited for that. I don't know if you backed that one. I did. <laughs> I late backed it, but I did. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. All right. So Kim's number six. Um, we're now going to take a little bit of a turn. Um, I don't know. I guess this game probably came out before some of these other ones, um, but I don't think I really introduced this to her until after I had introduced some of these other ones. And this was her first worker placement game and her probably all-time favorite worker placement game, Lords of Waterdeep. Woo! Um, I know you weren't a huge fan of worker placement games probably up until last year. Yeah. Um, But Kim, for some reason, just caught on to this very quickly she's very good at it and um it's just a fun time when we sit down and play this um i whenever she wants to play it i'll it's a game that i'll always be like all right if you want to play this i'm more than happy to play it it's it's just a fun game i know some people say sometimes it's too easy they don't like they don't think the theme is D enough or whatever you know and i'm like you know what it's if, if you try not to be a gaming snob 
It's it's just a fun game. I mean, the theme I think does fit. If you read some of the flavor text on the cards, um, it actually does give you a feel of the D&D universe. It may not feel like a role-playing game, but then again, I don't think it's supposed to be. Um, but Lords of Waterdeep, um, I mean, I even bought her for Christmas. I even bought her the the plastic um, figures to replace the cubes finally. Ooh, fancy. So we, you know, we have the broken token. So we have that game pretty much pimped out pretty good. Yeah, see, see you guys introduced that to me last year. Right. And I, I figured I like Champions of Midgard a little bit better. So I, I stuck with that. Yes. But th- then I was at the store a couple other times and was sitting around playing it too. And I'm like, you know what? This is a pretty damn good game that I, I do enjoy. I ended up getting it as a Christmas gift. I, I think I like it as, how do I want to say this? I think I, I I would probably say I like it as much as Champions nowadays. The first time I played Champions of Midgard, I wasn't a huge fan, maybe because of the dice and the variability that they had. And I don't know if it was the people I played with or it was, I just really didn't have a good experience. But when I played it now later on with the group that we game with now, like with you, Dave, and everything, and with Kim and stuff like that and some other people... The couple of times that I've played Champions now, I've really enjoyed, and that's that's a game that I have a feeling we're probably going to be picking up sometime this summer as we hit a couple of conventions. Um, I know Kim wants Champions of Midgard. She was even asking if we could play that the other day, and I'm like, I we don't own that one. And she's like, well, we need to get that one. So well, I have I'll, a feeling I'll come over we, and bring it. I have, yeah, yes, she would love that because that was that she really enjoys that game. Yeah, it's it's nice because I think a lot of people compare the two and say which one's better. I think with the expansions, they're both two totally different games now. I agree with you 100%. So you can have both of them and and not feel like you're playing the same game. Yeah. I mean, some people say, you know, like um, Champions is may, or Champions of Midgard is maybe a step up. But when you add in the Skullport expansion for Lords of Waterdeep, I think it really rounds out some of the base, the game, some of the things that the base game was missing. And it gives you more choices and has a little bit more strategy to it that brings it up just that little bit that it needed to just make it a nice, well-rounded game. Yeah, I, th- I think Lords of Waterdeep has a little more focus than Champions now with, you know, you're pretty much focused on getting quests. So that's like the main goal that you're trying to do. Uh-huh. And I think Champions is a little more kind of free reign now because you it's almost it's not point salad but there's a lot of ways to get points now so yeah. you can just say hey i'm gonna go fight monsters or i'm gonna go trade in stuff it's they're two totally different things now and the new dice they added in with the expansions also are really cool especially the now they're just freaking it's just a rainbow of colors in that box yes yes <laughs> love it all right, Yuki's number six. Okay, num- her number six, speaking of rainbows of colors. Uh-oh. Yeah, this, this was actually a game I bought to play with my dad because I figured he would he would like it because it's he used to play Bejeweled and he still plays Candy Crush and everything. Okay. Uh, so you might see where I'm going with this one, but... I have an idea. Potion Explosion. Yep. <laughs> yes, um... Yuki tended to enjoy this one. I know we've played it at Dave's house, and oh, we had a blast, especially with the the expansion. I have never played it. The problem I had with it at first was 
you really could get stuck just thinking about a turn because you're like, okay, I can do this to get these marbles to like fall down here so I can claim this stuff. There's a lot of choices, but the expansion added some like character roles to maybe speed up the game a little bit. So it, it kind of helped that. But just in general, I think it's a really nice game where, you know, you're just taking a marble from there and adding it to a potion so you can just collect different colors and then you fulfill the potions which i guess are kind of like quests like lords of water deep and then yeah. once you fulfill them you can uh use them as like a one-time bonus to to do some special action that you know breaks the rules and she really liked the combo aspect of it where you're saying okay i'm gonna take this one which fulfills this potion so i could drink that which lets me do this so i can fulfill this and do all that she definitely liked the combo aspect of it she said Hmm, interesting. I'm 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 wondering if curious if Kim would actually like that. Um we're gonna have to play that sometime. Because I like I said, I've never played it and it's one that I've always wanted to play as well. Um I've never really seen it. I've seen it played a couple of times down at the store, but not too not too many times. So. I, don't, I don't think it's as light as you would think it is, because there's a lot more thought into that game than you would think. It does remind me of those jewels and everything like that and i do think of those as rather light games so yeah i definitely like to give that one a shot mm -hmm. all right jumping over to halfway through the list kim's number five um this is one of the probably one of the first deck builders i think that i introduced her to um and she has a couple of games that are similar here in a row um, but i think this was one of the first games we played and i didn't shit if i was keeping track of this game and bg stats this would probably be one of the games that would have the most plays on it probably next to Lords of Waterdeep and Mage Knight Dungeons I would probably say out of all the stuff that we've ever played over the years um and that's Cthulhu Realms huh Cthulhu Realms is a little deck builder um that I had picked up uh it was from the makers of Star Realms um I think TMG actually put out Cthulhu Realms and um it's just it it could be played two to four players that's one of the reasons why I got it, because it just wasn't limited to four. But when you play with four, it adds a funky thing with the cards as to how you're playing. You play, kind of put an X out on the table, and the cards you're taking are from, like, your left and your right and everything like that. We normally just play two-player. I played it four-player maybe once or twice down at the game store one time. Um, but normally it's just two players, and it's just a really fun deck builder. It's I don't want to say it's, it's super light, because there is some thinking to it the biggest thing i think that you have to learn is the iconography in the game um and some of that can get a little confusing um that's probably the only hurdle in the game but um you know after a few plays you'll get that down and get a good understanding of it but it's just a standard deck builder you're starting off with 10 cards drawn five the first person i think draws three and then after that everybody's drawing five and each person has um, their health or their sanity set at 50, and the first person to zero sanity um, loses. And you're basically just trying to attack each other and just knock each other's sanity senseless. Um, and we just have a, a great time with the game. Um, we can sit there and play that two, three times in a row in an evening and not even blink an eye. I mean, so it's, it's just... Uh, it was one of the first deck builders I think I introduced her to. Um, now a genre she really likes, like um, worker placement. You know, we've played we've played a lot of deck builders over the years now. 
Um, but this was one of the early ones I think that I introduced her to. And it's such a small box game. You know, it's just a small box. It's just the deck of cards, um, some little cardboard tokens, you know, to move around on the score chart um, to, for your sanity. And that's it. There's really nothing else to it. Um, because of the way the cards work and being allowed to use the actions on cards at different times. So you don't necessarily need to use all of the actions on one card at one time. You can use one action on one card, one action on another, then go back to the other one, use another action. We usually pull out these little glass beads I have that I used to use for life counters and magic. Oh, 20 some years ago when I used to play magic. <laughs> um, and we usually set those over the little actions just because once you get a good engine going and you start dropping down seven to 10 cards in front of you, all of these actions, you can't keep straight of what you've done. And it's not like you could just tap the card like you would, you know, maybe sideways or something or at an angle. Because like I said, there may be one action you may use, but then you may go off to another card and do two or three other things and then come back to that card and do another action. So you almost, we just start plopping beads, deck, glass beads down everywhere just so we can kind of keep track of things. It's the only way we found to keep our sanity as we're playing the damn game. <laughs> But it's still fun. It's still a fun game. If you've never played it, if you like deck builders and you like, you know, the Cthulhu um, theme and everything like that and the mythos and everything, it's just a fun game. Yeah, I've, I've played Star Realms. I have never played Cthulhu. Cthulhu yeah, I can't even say it. Cthulhu. Cthulhu. I've only played Star Realms on my phone. I've only played the digital app. I think that's the only way I've played it too myself. So, um, yeah, I'm, Cthulhu games are... I don't know about them yet because I'm not. I've never read Lovecraft, so I'm not. I'm not fond of it. I mean, I I I did buy a book of uh, a collection of his stories. I still have yet to read it. Um, I do have one Cthulhu game though, so it's not something yeah, I'm opposed to. It's a fun one, and and the cards aren't really super dark. They're more cartoony drawn. You know, they more have a more cartoonish look to them. So it's not like it's a really super dark game. But um, some of the theme, I think you could say, is probably a little, a little darker. I would say, because it is Cthulhu. That's fine. I don't, I don't mind darker themes. I mean, right. I know. I've I've seen some of your games. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Bloodborne was a Cthulhu game. Hey, I liked, I liked all those, I liked all those games. Those are right up my alley. Dark Souls card game coming out soon. I'm kind of interested in that. I am too, but after how bust bloodborne was how much of a bust bloodborne was i'm a little hesitant a different different kind of game though i'm this one i i got my eye on so let's see how that works that's that's a whole nother podcast yeah all right yuki's number five okay this is where we're gonna start um talking about cultural background because this one is kind of a it it's a talking point in the gaming community i guess to a point because of the artwork and everything. Okay. But I guess what you have to realize is I know us as Americans or even Western countries, I'm assuming I can't speak for, for anywhere else except America here, but I know people think this might be a little raunchy to put in front of, put on a table in front of people, but to Japan, it's, really quite normal and it's actually cute and not raunchy so 
it's interesting to see how just the cultural differences talk about this game. Um, mm. You talked about a deck builder. Uh, I am currently talking about a deck builder, and it I was figured. it was my first deck builder, which I didn't even know what they were when I bought this. I bought it. <laughs> I bought it based on the theme, and I thought it was just such a unique thing. Uh, but n- her number five, Tanto Kore. I'm feeling that's where you're going. Yes, I, I and I I remember picking it up and I said you're you own a mansion and you're hiring maids to to do this stuff and I said that's just the craziest idea for a game and I I I'm <laughs> like it sounds right up my alley because it's so weird and I I showed it to her I remember we were playing it at her apartment one day and just in the morning like over breakfast I think we were playing it we're sitting there learning because we had no idea how the hell to play this game since I had never played a deck builder, and this was really right when I started buying modern games. So it was a whole new thing to me, but we keep doing that. We kept playing it. It's one we haven't played in a while, unfortunately, because I still love this game for some reason. But she really loves the variability. Obviously, it's very much like Dominion with a a static market. Mm -hmm. But there's four base games which you can mix them all together right now that are out so you can mix it up a whole lot and each base game does bring different mechanics and i think uh, yeah the fifth one should be coming out later this year that's that's on order through kickstarter right now shout out to japanime <laughs> but it, it's it's a it's a damn good game like i think if people could get over the theme i i like it better than dominion yeah dominion's okay um i played it once or twice i mean it's i'm looking forward more to thunderstone quest mhm so but i've never played tanto core i'd like to try it once it, it's it's interesting just to give it a shot cuz you always see people say hey tanto core is a really good game but then a lot of people say that that artwork i can't I can't get past that. And then, and it's like you said, it's just the cultural differences. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with video games. I mean, you know, all the different video games, you know, growing up, you know, the Jap, the Japanese video games, you know, that you would always find at the import stores were always very different than, you know, the games that were released over in the U S normally. Uh, so it's, it, it's just cultural differences. And that's just, something that some people can't overlook and other people, you know, are just completely fine with, you know. Um, I've always watched anime. I've always liked anime. I always, I have no problem with any of those things. So that's why I wouldn't mind giving that card, giving that card game a shot. Yeah, it's, it's really fun too. It It's, I mean, it's definitely a Dominion clone, but it does just enough that it's a lot different where like yeah. culling your deck was actually a basic part of the game and not just with expansions and, and ways to score points too. So you, the, the nice thing about these Japanese deck builders is they really, they make you think a lot more. So, I, I don't know. I, I they, they put a nice twist on just deck building itself because a lot of, a lot of their games are strictly about deck building and that's it. No boards or anything. So, you're, you're really trying to combo everything perfectly and trying to get your deck like just optimal enough because they're still big on uh, CCG games over there too so they they okay. love they love that kind of optimization over there and it, it definitely shows in their in 
in this game at least. Cool. All right, well, we're going to go on to Kim's number four. It's a little bit of twist on a deck builder. I guess it's a card constructor, uh, and it's a game that we actually played recently. Um, and she's like, we, we need to play this more. And I'm like, well, we have some of the expansions. And I go, we've never even played the expansions yet. And that's Mystic Veil. Um, so this was kind of like um, what she kind of felt was a little bit more different of a deck builder for her with the card construction. Um, and then it was really cold last year when we went to Origins, and we actually sat down with John Zinzer from AEG, and he uh, let us play a prototype of The Edge of Darkness. And she's even talking about, you know, she's like, well, we need to kick that, kickstart that one immediately once it hits Kickstarter, which I believe it's supposed to hit Kickstarter at the end of, towards the end of February, like February 20th or something. They're, they're posting stuff daily, I think, on their Facebook page. I keep seeing things, um, you know, and she sees that and she's like, we're, she goes, that's one thing we're kickstarting it. And she has never told me to kickstart something before. So, um, but Mystic Veil is just a really interesting game. Um, it's 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 a deck builder at, at 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 its base at its core. But when you're buying the cards, you're actually constructing and building your cards. So you're not really besides building your deck, you're getting to build your cards too. So each card can actually have if you start off with a blank one, can actually have three different plastic sleeves in there. There's um, a top, middle, and bottom, and um, each of them has like a different action or a different ability, I guess you could say, that's on there. Um, some of them will give you extra mana, which you can use to purchase other cards. Some of them could actually chain off of each other. Some of them can give you just straight victory points that you could take either um, the turn you play them or could have an icon in the corner um, where you're getting points at the end of the game. And it's, and it's basically a victory point game. Uh, based on the number of people that you're playing at the table, you're going to have a set number of victory point tokens that are in a pile. Once that pile is gone, um, it's going to basically signify the last round of the game. Everybody's going to get an equal amount of turns, I believe. And if, if you do go over victory points, you can pull some more out of the box. But, you know, once once that victory point pile is depleted, that's that that's what signifies the end of the game, basically. So it's got a really nice engine builder to it. And, you know, when we were playing it the other day, um, we both just were building some really great cards um, and just just have, it's just a, it's just a lot of fun. Um, like I said, we we do have the expansion, one of the expansions, I think. I think there's a couple of them out. And I think there's a third one coming out even. Um, but we haven't tried it yet. And I told her, I go, we need to try the damn expansion already because I picked that up probably six months or maybe even more ago. Um, I think when we were running the demo down at the store, um, when the store had gotten in a demo kit or, you know, like they had gotten in like a play kit for um, that. Yeah, the organized play, yeah. Which gave you some wooden tokens, some additional cards and everything for the game, which was kind of cool. So, but that was hers, Mystic Veil. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to Edge of Darkness. That's, I have a feeling that if that comes out this year, that could easily make my top 10. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. Um, Mystic Veil is a game that we like over here too. We have all three of the expansions. I believe there's three. And yep. I have I have the organized play kit, so we got all the wooden tokens and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a game that we enjoy a lot. I the expansions made it a lot better. Well that's good to know. We're definitely gonna have to try that now. Now I really want to try it. Especially with the with the uh, unique character that replaces one of the blank cards in your deck. Okay. You can you can upgrade that character, and they'll give you like a a special ability for the game depending on what side of the card you're on. 
But now I, I'm not gonna play this right now. And it it did bring <laughs> it brought new mechanics to it too. So there's different ways, and it's there's so many damn different uh, advancements now, and as well as like um, the veil cards or whatever they were called, I can't yeah. remember. But there's so many different things now that every game is just so variable. Is there, is there too much with all the expansions, or is it, or does it still play okay? I I think people say there is too much, but you know what? I don't mind it because every damn game is different now. Yeah, that's that's what I like. If, if a game plays differently every time and you can still enjoy it, that's you definitely get more more for your money then. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. What do we got as Yuki's number four? Okay, number four is probably the yes, I believe this is the oldest that are the one closest to when she started gaming with me. I guess you can say. Um, okay. Another cultural game, which we'll get some history on this one shortly, but Takedo. Ah, see, we've never played that one either. Damn it! Uh, see, Takedo. I know a lot of people say it's very light, but it is. It's just such a relaxing game to play. It looks cool. Yeah, that's what drew me in first too. The art style and just the theme. I I loved it. It was such a unique look when I was first looking up new games and getting into the hobby that I said, oh, I got to get this. And it's it's been a staple ever since. Like now I've upgraded to the the deluxe edition with all the miniatures and everything. And it's nice and huge. Got all the expansions for it, too. But it's such a simple game to play that everyone picks it up like within a turn. And it's it's got a lot of variability now because you pick one character each game, and I think now there's like 30-some characters. And the cards will come out randomly to a point, depending on where you're going. So you might be able to get points different ways. And it's definitely a point salad game because you just move to a spot, do something, you're going to get a, you're getting points somehow. But it's so nice. And what, uh, what Yuki was saying, it reminded her of a game from Japan called, I believe she said it's called Sugaroshi. Okay. I Don't ask me what it is. I don't know. <laughs> but it's not it, a board game geek? <laughs> I, I haven't looked it up. So if anyone does look it up, I, I can tell you. I know Shogi. How about that? That's, that's a Japanese game. Or probably Chinese too, I think it came from. But off the topic. But um, the other thing that, that uh, she really likes about this game and my coworker, also Japanese, she also vouched for this too, is they liked how this it it's based on a, a Japanese story from hundreds of years ago. And just them seeing the characters that you play as, they said, Wow, this is really it's really thematic and you know, they you know, this character does this and they're laughing at it the whole time because they're like, Yep, that's exactly what's going on. They they know the story and I guess it does it justice. That's kind of cool. So I may, I have to read it sometime. Got to find it. All right. Kim's number three. This is going to be the last of her deck builders. Um, but I think one that definitely we've gone from Cthulhu realms, which is straight cards, mystic veil where you're building cards uh, to clank is her number three. Um, Clank is just a spectacular game uh, as far as deck builders go. Uh, when I had first played this, 
when I was at one of the open houses, um, when I had gone with, um, with the store, uh, I played this and I was like, wow, this, I go, I need to have this game immediately. And this game is just a lot of fun. Uh, if you don't know what clank is, clank is a deck builder, but you also have a board. Um, you have a character, a meeple that you are trying to work down through a work down through. I don't know if I want to say a dungeon, but I guess you're trying to work your way through a dungeon and get under under the ground into basically where the dragon is, and you're trying to steal some of the dragon's loot. Um, the goal of the game is to get down there, take what you can, get out, and the first person to get out will then start signifying the end of the game. And if you don't get above ground before um, that dragon, that last dragon tile that is that uh, first player's meeple has moved on to, um, you don't come out of the underground alive, and it becomes a victory point game in that you're trying to, and some of the cards you purchase will have victory points on them. Some of the things that you collect in the dungeon are worth victory points. Uh, and it's just a really, really fun game. Um, there have been, there's been an, one expansion already released for the original game of Clank, um, Sunken Treasures. I believe it was what it was, which adds in an underwater theme, a whole new board and like, you know, like an underwater theme. Um, they had Clank in Space, which we have not added to our collection yet, and I'm really surprised that Kim did not get me that for Christmas because um, I really shouldn't have even had to have asked for that damn game. <laughs> um, and then they have another expansion coming out from the original one, which is going to be Egyptian-themed, I believe, yes. which I love. Yes. Um, I can't wait to see what this expansion brings and what it does, but um, it's... It's just a great evolution of deck builders. It it has taken us from just a simple, you know, deck of cards that you're doing as a deck builder mechanic to something else to this, which adds in a whole board to it. Um, and it just it plays great if you've never played Clank. Can't recommend it enough. It's definitely fun. Although I will have to say, in my experience playing it with people outside of the stores game group with family and friends. Uh huh. I would say it's hit or miss with people because, huh. and I think that's just based on if they haven't played deck builders before. That's possible. Yeah. What I've found is when a, a new player starts that they're going to say, Oh, let's buy the cards that are static. You know, like the, Oh, I'm going to get one movement or I'm going to get more, money or what i can't remember what the official terms are and they kind of stick with those and then i'm going over there i'm buying the cards from the market you know because no one wants to get attacked by the dragon but i'm i'm sitting there like no no you you got a chance at here go for these cards that that let you go crazy and pull off a lot of combos yes because then you know they're you're just trying to get through everything as fast as you can and that's what that's what's really fun about the game when you actually get to it is you're sitting there just trying to to push your luck just enough, saying like, you know what, I, I can make it through there real fast and get back out. But then those cubes start coming out and hitting you, and you're like, oh shit, did I really mess this up? So <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Definitely, it it gets better the more you play it and the more aware you are of what you need to do. But it it definitely does have a tendency if people don't understand what you need to do in the game it falls a little bit flat with them because they think they want to build the better deck where it's no, you gotta, you gotta build some movement and get going over there. Right. 
All right, Yuki's number three. Number three, we're sticking with Japan here. And I'm going to give a shout-out to Dave here, because when I saw him the other day, he mentioned that it was the first game that we ever played with him over at the store when he came up. So, Yuki's number three, Kanagawa. Kim thought about that, putting that on her list. She did. She had it on there at first, but then she removed it. Yeah, Yuki really likes this one. Um, the art style definitely helps it, because it does have that that classic Japanese yes. art style, which is really nice, and I think it's probably the best-looking game that's pulled off that art style. And it's, def- it's such a simple game, but it does have such interesting decisions, because you can kind of guess what might happen since you can see what the future cards are coming out for. Um, And it's just a push-your-luck game of just, hey, these cards are coming out. Do you want to draft one card or do you want to wait? And will will the next person draft that one card or will they wait too? So here comes another card. So now do you want to draft two cards? And the timing aspect of it and just seeing what, the hell might come out of there it it brings tension to a light game but it goes by so quick that you're like okay you know we could probably play two three games in a row yep and it's it's a good gateway game i know yuki has she's taught it to her co-worker um who has never really played modern board games and they enjoyed it Coincidentally, also another Japanese person, but <laughs> so it, I mean the it definitely the art and the theme they it does really click with people of Japanese descent um, and, at and least so far set, in my experience so far. Yeah, and the set collection is really interesting too because there's multiple tiles that you can go for in the game, and multiple people can be working at the same thing, and I think that's what some of the struggle is. You know, when you see a card, you're like, even if it's the first card out there, you're like, I need that card because that's going to get me that tile, which will score me more victory points and let me complete this that I'm trying to do here in my art, you know, display. And that's where, you know, you struggle. You're like, is my opponent going to take that card before I get a chance to actually add it to my collection here? Um, No, and I agree with you. Kim and I love that game. One of our favorite games. Yeah, It's a great drafting game. Highly recommended. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a little twist away from deck builders because we've talked about a couple of those now, and we're going to talk about probably something similar to what her number nine was, Mage Knight Dungeons, and that's Arcadia Quest. Um, Kim really likes it. We've actually run through a campaign with um, some friends, and um, it's Arcadia Quest is just a nice evolution of a, of a dungeon crawler. Um, I think one of the reasons why we do like it is because it does remind us so much of Mage Knight Dungeons. Um, there is a PvP aspect to it. You can attack other players while you are in the dungeon. Uh, you have missions and goals you're trying to achieve. Some of those goals are killing your opponents. Um, that is one way to get you some, you know, one of the one of the victory re- rewards in in the game. Uh, there is so much out for this game. Uh, I really wish I would have gotten in on the original early Kickstarter and have some of those early boxes of things that go for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. When you see people trying to sell them, that just kills me. Um, That is both 
Um, one thing, you know, I, I, I love the game, but that's also a turnoff of the game as well because you know you're never going to have everything for it. Um, and while you, you know, I don't, I don't feel I need everything for the game. There are some times, you know, it's just like you wouldn't mind having some of these extra things. Uh, so that is definitely a bummer that uh, they did that in those early Kickstarters and make they and, and they still do it with their Kickstarter. Simon does and make um, so many things Kickstarter exclusive. Yeah, Ar- Arcadia Quest is kind of one of my bigger disappointments, I would say. Because I, I bought it based on a lot of people's recommendations, and I, I don't know what it is about the game. I think there was too many... There's too many small little rules that you have to remember. You kind of have to run the board a little bit too much. But if, you, if you're playing with someone who who knows how to run, like, the, the monsters and, you know, say, oh, if you're in front of this guy and you move, he's going to attack you and all this stuff... I think it's definitely a better game, right? but I just from the few times I've played it, there's always at least one person who's not having a good time because he's just getting killed by the dice, and that that's what kind of turns me off from it. it it's me. it's it, like I I don't like it when a game. I understand you know there's got to be winners and losers, but when someone's just not having fun, that's kind of what turns me off of the game, and I probably would have gotten rid of my copy if i hadn't painted it as my first painting miniatures project right but so it kind of holds near and dear to me just because of that but i I don't i don't think i would ever ask to play this um, uh before a lot of other games that we have over here although it's it's not bad i it's just it's not as amazing to me as i think a lot more people think it is yeah i think a lot of people really highly praise the game um when kim and i had gone to pax east several years ago um we saw super dungeon explorer and we were really interested in that one um it was before they had done the kickstarter for it and we were going to back it and everything like that but then when we heard it was co-op she was instantly turned off from it yep and so that's why it kind of took me forever to try to decide on what dungeon crawler to go with when i finally saw that you know arcadia quest did have the you know, being able to the PvP aspect to it, I was like, this would probably be the one that she would be most comfortable with and enjoy because she can attack in it and it's not co-op. So that was why I went with it. And uh, we picked up pets when it had come out. We haven't used pets yet, but she actually talked about maybe playing through a campaign with pets. So, you know, the two of us may do that and give that a shot here sometime soon. I, I think if, here's a here's a side note on that. If you want like a good dungeon crawler, that's cooperative and strictly cooperative. I, I thought it was going to be on this list, but I'll give it an honorable mention right now because Yuki and I really enjoyed it, is Space Cadets Away Missions. I saw you post that on the Facebook group today because I saw a bunch of people posting Legend of Andor, and Legends of Andor is one that I watched Rado play through before, and I've always wanted to try that one. Yeah, same here. Uh, but I don't know. We, we were at the store one day, and someone was running a demo and we just sat down and played it. And I remember the next time we, we came in there together, we said, you know, let's take it off the shelf. Cause they had a, a demo copy of the store and we, we played it there and we're like, Oh, this is a really fun game. And one day we were just there buying Christmas gifts and Yuki saw it on the shelf and she said, Hey, you know, can we get this? I'm like, yeah, sure. 
and it, it's a really fun game. It takes a while to set up some of the scenarios because it is scenario based. Okay. It, but it's not like a campaign style. It's just pick a scenario, run it, and it, it's such a simple game, but it's so damn fun. It, especially if you love like the the goofy 1950s sci-fi look and uh, feel of I, it. I'll have to try that. That that, that sounds cool. That's, yeah, I've never played it. It's fun. I mean, it's a, it's a dice chucker, and you're just going over there trying to shoot down aliens, and each game has a different objective for you to do, but it's really damn fun, and it's probably our go-to co-op game, I would say. Yeah, I think so. That's cool. All right, what's Yuki's number two? Okay, her number two was the biggest surprise on this list. Uh-oh. And coincidentally, it was on your list, too. So. Hmm. Mystic Veil. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, she she wrote this when she was making her list, and I said, really? I'm like, Num- <laughs> number two? I'm like, wow, that's... I, but she said she loves the... She loves just the, the random things that come out every game, so the variability where whatever comes out in the little market, it just changes everything, and then how you're building the cards, it's... It's a good game. I mean, it's it's not as interactive as a game could be, I think, but you really don't need that in every game. Yeah. It's nice to just build the cards and see what combos you can get and try to outthink the other person and just try to time things to see, oh, you know, this person's going to maybe go for this and maybe I could get that before them. So the timing aspect is a, is a nice treat. Right. And then also because of her saying she really liked that game edge of darkness is a lot more on my radar now than i thought it was going to be because of that that card crafting aspect the card crafting the worker placement it's edge of darkness i'm telling you when that comes out that just from me playing the prototype that very well could be at the top of my list for game of the year when it comes out and yeah, and you're, you're you're praising it highly, so I'm, it's like on my radar because of that. And then just because she said, oh, I really love Mystic Veil, vale, I'm like, okay, this is a little bit more on the radar now because of that. Yeah. And I still have yet to play the other card crafting game, Custom Heroes, even though I have it. I won that in the, the BGG contest, so I've still yet to play it, but I need to. I want to. I'd like to try that one. Um, we, we, we do not have that one. Um. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to try it. Uh, apparently that is based off of a Japanese card game. Because I, I don't don't uh, let me vouch for this, but Yuki says on the front of the box, there is Japanese on the front. And it right. does say, I forgot what the name of it is, but it's like, oh, a twist on this whatever Japanese card game. So oh, that's cool. as, as soon as she saw that, she's like, oh, I already know how to play this pretty much. <laughs> So That's I'm like, crazy. so I'm like, shit. Well, why why don't we play this then? <laughs> All right, let's do some drum rolls. All right, Kim's number one, and you're gonna trip over this one because you might not believe this one. This is a game we recently just played. And this kind of shows her evolution. And that's kind of the reason why I said this was an evolution, because it kind of started off with things we played when we first started dating. What we've what I've introduced her to over the years. Um, up until a couple of weeks ago when um, our buddy Jim Sword pulled out Wildcatters and taught that to us one night down at the store. Okay. Um, Kim's played some heavier games with me. This is probably 
one of the heaviest things she might have actually played. Um, and, and she freaking won. And I don't think she liked it because she won. She liked it because it was just interesting. There was just a lot of strategy there. And she, it was an easier game to pick up. But the strategy is really deep because there's just so many different things you can do in the game. Um, I know you've never played Wildcatters. So you're basically like an oil, oil baron and you're going through several different mechanisms that are in the game. Uh, you're doing, um, I guess you could say a little bit of, I don't want to say area control, but I guess there kind of is because as you're building um, your oil components out on the main board, whenever your oil facility fills up, whenever you get um, all the tokens on there that fill up, they go to, they those tokens kind of get shipped down to the bottom of the board and that's where area control comes into play. So all the little oil tokens you have down there Whoever has the highest is going to get the most victory points on that on that particular continent. Um, and the whole bottom of the board is broken up into these squares that match the different continents that are on the board. There's also some bidding mechanisms in the game. Um, there's these wildcatter tokens, uh, and they are rival. I don't know if I want to say rival. They are other oil barons who, after you strike oil and you start... Um, producing oil in a location, they try to piggyback on your oil and everything. And the first person to to set up an oil stand um, in one of those locations, um, an oil rig, they actually, you then bid on these wildcatters. And those wildcatters are kind of like a set collection. Um, their scoring goes up um, exponentially. So if you have one, it could be worth three points. If you have two, it could be worth six Three could be worth 12, four, 20. Those aren't the exact numbers, but you kind of get where I'm going with that. So the more wildcatters you have, you know, you're going to have a, a hell of a lot more points at the end of the game. Um, and it's just, it's just a really, re- it was just a really interesting game. Um, it was the first time we played it. And I don't know how it would play with two players. So I'm a little hesitant in adding it to my collection. Um, But supposedly it's supposed to play okay with two. Um, so I might, and, and it's, and it's kind of funny. It's from capstone games. So I told her, you know, like when we got home that night and she was talking about it, I go, we need to play Lignum. I go, Lignum is one of my favorite capstone games. Um, you know, I like Arkwright as well, but I'd probably have to say when I played origin or when I played Lignum at origins last year, I was just like, this is just a hell of a lot of fun. I just really enjoyed it. Um, so, but she, she really liked wildcatters. Um, it was one, the play, I will say the player aid for the game that they give all the players uh, walks you through literally each phase of the game and tells you exactly what's going on at each phase. Uh, And one of the best player aids I've seen in a game in a long time. And it just, I think that's what helped out with the flow of the game. You knew what you were doing each in each phase. So it helped you with your strategy some because you really didn't have to remember, okay, I got to do this now, I got to do this now, I got to do this now. It just boom, 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 boom. You just went through the different phases and it tells you, do this, do this, do this. And and it was it just really helped out and let you concentrate on your strategy and not really having to remember, these are the 10 things I have to do um, during a round. So um, the board, the game also looked, just looks really nice. Uh, the components were really good. The board looks really sharp. Um, so Wildcatters really surprised me that she said this, um, but it is 
basically like her evolution of what she's gone through, you know, or I don't want to say gone through, but what she's, you know, worked through, you know, as far as gaming going, you know, because I throw stuff at her all the time, but um, I hadn't thrown any of anything of this magnitude at her, I don't think. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, I have a hard time getting Yuki to play some of the heavier games, which is why I don't own as many and why... Yeah, yeah. Why, as of like the last year or two, when I look at games, if it's pretty easy to pick up, but a lot of strategy, then I'm more inclined to buy it. Whereas if there's like just little weird rules that are hard to explain or it's not as intuitive, I, I definitely think twice about it. So it's kind of the it's kind of the trade off for heavy games where you want a deep experience, but you want one that's pretty simple to pick up right so that's what that's why we don't play a lot which i'm slowly getting over that hump we're, we're getting the medium games starting to go relatively so i think she's more comfortable with with medium euro games now it depend, takes, it takes a little while it, it took him a little while and i mean i've you know i've been introducing her to different mechanisms and different things you know slowly and just adding on layer by layer adding it on and you know she finally worked her way up to that and i was one i was really impressed with how well she did two how fast she caught on um and three just she was hanging with the big boys i mean she was just <laughs> right up there when when we counted up the score and she was just way ahead of everybody else and i was like i go i think i might be able to come closer and i thought i was going to win i think she i think she had me by 12 points and i came in second place i mean so it was i was just like you know wow give you the bow woman that was outstanding i got very impressed (laughs) you you can't say anything about our wives because you know you Typical people might say, like, oh, you know, you guys are the more experienced gamers. You guys win all the time. And no. Hell no. <laughs> no. I, I don't win shit. If I look at BG stats, it's close. I'd say it's if it's 50-50. There's, there's days where she's on and she'll just win everything. And then there's days where I'm just, like, winning for a little bit. You know? So it's... It, and it, it's it's really nice to have that in our relationship because it just, with everything being so balanced, you know, it's just like when she plays good, I'm just like fist bump. I'm like, that was awesome. I go, I <laughs> I tried and I go, I just could not, could not beat you in that game. I hear you. The, the general rule for, for us is I win the first game and I never win after that. <laughs> All right, so what does Yuki have as her number one? Well, well, let's hold on a second because she actually okay. ju- she actually just walked right by me, so Uh-oh. maybe maybe she can pop in real quick. <laughs> so we have a special 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 guest co-host. Just a minute, because I I, th- I think she could explain this. So let let me pull off my headphones and hold on. <laughs> Yuki, would you uh would you say hi and? Would you explain for maybe like a minute or two why your number one is your number one? Cat lady? Yes, Joe, did you hear that? Cat lady. I was just telling Kim about this game, and we were watching a video on it the other night. Because I I told her, I go, they are playing the hell out of this game. (laughs) 
So, Yuki, could you say why you like this game so much? Oh, well, first of all, I like it because it's cat, of course. <laughs> I'm a cat lover. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have an allergy to cats, so I cannot touch the little cats, but I can touch the card game cats a lot. <laughs> it's very cute illustration. Um, I like the game itself. It's just, I like the randomness. I think it's a common theme of the top 10 games that I picked anyways. I like the randomness. We played, what, 10 times in the first week or so, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah, and then I never get bored with it. Cool. You should definitely get in and play with Kim. I'm, we're, we're, yeah, we're going to have to try it. it. It looked interesting. I mean, and well, we have three cats. So. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I give, that, I give that to my colleague. She just had her birthday a couple weeks ago. She loves cats, too, and then she's still new to board games. I introduced a couple of them, like Kanagawa and uh, Onitama and others. She loved some of them, but she didn't know how to get into some of them. And then, you know, so I was like, I just purchased the cat lady from, what, which board game site was this? Cool stuff, I believe. Yeah, because I tried to get on on Amazon, but it was out of stock already. It was in the, oh, like, wow. the first week or two that I was selling it. So, and she loves it now. She's not a board gamer, but she loves it. Yeah, it looked pretty cool from the video we were watching the other night, so we'll probably have to pick that one up. It seems like a lighter, um, fun, just card game. Yeah, it is fun, but, like, yeah. The only thing that we didn't care about in the beginning is that because it doesn't come with a score sheet, we ended up creating one. Yeah, we we had to download a score sheet from online and print out a whole bunch of them because... There's just enough scoring that you you really need to write it down. Mm-hmm. See what we what we've been doing is um, printing them out from Board Game Geek and then laminating them and then using a dry erase marker. I thought we were gonna do it, but you just printed them. We were gonna do that, but then I figured the <laughs> the score sheet that I printed out it it was like double sided with like nine sheets on there. So I just I think it's like two bucks to laminate something. So I'm like, for two bucks, I could print out like 200 copies and we're pretty set for a few years, probably. Sure. Tell me what the file is. I have a laminator. I'll do it for you for free. There we go. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's on BGG. <laughs> Don't you have to make the bigger, though, if you want to laminate it? Probably. Yeah. I picked up I picked up a cheap lamination laminator off Amazon. Which I was going to do it for his birthday one day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, now you shouldn't have said that because now you can't do that, Yuki. That's true. Well, I did ask him. Well, I did ask him was like last, what, birthday or Christmas? He ended up buying board games, which he said he's not gonna this time. And he keeps saying it. So. He's like, oh, I'm going to get video gaming instead or I'll get something else instead. And then if I see the wish list of, from him, it's always board games anyways. I'm like, I told you. Right? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the um, see what I have to put out with every day, asking me to play board games. I'm getting in trouble. You're getting me in trouble, Joe. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, well, thank you. Tell her thank you if you've plugged your headphones back in. No, she heard you. Okay, cool. So that was awesome. That was great. I got to get tri- – see, now I, can, now I can tell Kim, Yuki's been on the podcast and you haven't been on yet. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> just You just got to force her to do it, so – all right, so that is it. That was the top 10 games we've introduced our spouses to over the years. I think we're up to close to an hour and a half for a podcast now. 
This is going to be one of the longer ones, I think, that we've pushed out onto the website. So hopefully everybody enjoys um, the games that we've listed here. Definitely two different lists. Um, definitely a lot of great games, though, on here. Um, any of these games, I would say you could probably add to your collection, and you will not have gone wrong with adding it to your collection. So I think that's going to be it. We're going to call this one a podcast. And thank you for joining us. As always, send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. You can join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there, guild number 2440. On Twitter and Instagram, at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say. Facebook, just search for what I'm playing now. And subscribe to our Twitch and YouTube channels, twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now and youtube.com slash what I'm playing now. But until next week, I would like to thank my co-host Eric Gergatz for joining me this week again. Thank you, Eric. No problem. Another great episode that we have done here. But until next week, everybody, you know what to do. Go play some games and then let me know what you're playing now. Until next week, everybody, you have a great week gaming and we will see you later. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>